Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, September 29th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in Montana. Sarah Abbott is working from Seattle. And Sarah, I'd say this. I mean, we're thinking about those whose lives have been impacted by Hurricane Ian. Uh, like everyone else, we are glued to the news for updates. You know, I spent all those years in spring training uh, down in Florida. So know all, know all these areas that have been hit um, and got to meet a lot of people and, and thinking about a lot of folks down there who I know. And I know, uh, Sarah, you're the same. Yeah, my parents are actually down there right now with my sister and my brother-in-law, and then my aunt and uncle live there too. So it's definitely scary. We had my aunt and uncle are evacuated. They're in Miami right now. And then my sister and my mom and dad are still in their house. They actually just closed on their house like a couple of days ago. So this is definitely a scary time. And my thoughts and prayers are out there for everyone who's affected. Absolutely. Uh, This is a baseball podcast and we will talk baseball. The best race down the stretch is for the National League East and the Braves and Mets went into play Wednesday tied for first place. And early on, it didn't look so good for the Mets. They were down four to two in the bottom of the eighth inning. Eduardo Escobar came to the plate. The pitch to Escobar. Swing and a grounder, right side, base hit, right field. Nimmo is in. Around third, Alonzo coming to the plate. Anderson's throw way offline. Alonzo scores the tying run with a head first slide. Going to third is Canna. And on at first with a two-run single is Eduardo Escobar. Another big September hit for him. And the Mets have tied this game. That call from WCBS. The two sides, the Marlins, the Mets went into extra innings. Bottom of the 10th inning, and that guy, Eduardo Escobar, came to the plate again. The pitch to Escobar. Swing on a ground ball, left field, base hit. Here comes Lindor around third. Lindor's throw to the plate, up the third baseline. Lindor slides in, head first, safely. Put up the box. The Mets are back in first place. They'll take a one-game lead in the National League East into their three-game series in Atlanta. It's the Eduardo Escobar Show. After the Mets' victory, Buck Showalter talked about the conversation with Jeremy Hefner and Drew Smith pitching in that top of the 10th inning, which was so pivotal for New York. And I turned to Jeremy there with two outs. I said, boy, if he can get through this, we might have Drew. You know, it's one of those things that you hope there's a byproduct of the game. You know, that's a, that's a, it's not the first time, but it's, it's that time where we said there's, there's Drew from April and May. You know, that could mean a lot for the depth of our bullpen. And, uh, you know, Tyler, other than the first two or three hitters, is is inching along getting back too. But it's just that he hasn't had the experience for leaving as much. And Pete's coming on a little bit. And, of course, Otto and Edwin very quietly did what they've been doing most of the year. The Braves, meanwhile, were facing the Nationals in Washington. And Michael Harris... I think is at this point the front runner for National League Rookie of the Year, a batted in the top of the eighth inning, Atlanta down a run. Here comes the 0-2. Ground ball right side, may find a hole, diving and stopping Garcia from a knee, throws over it, gets away, Dansby to the plate, tie game! At from 680, the fan, but in the bottom of the 10th inning, Charlie Slows described how this game ended. The one-two pitch to Abrams. Swinging a ground ball, base hit right field. Here comes the winning run call. He'll score. They're going to mob Abrams around first as the Nationals beat the Braves 3-2 to two in 10 innings. At the end of the day, the Mets with a one-game lead over the Braves going into this huge three-game series in Atlanta this weekend, although we're not sure exactly when all the games are going to be played given the impact of the hurricane. We are scheduled to have the Braves and the Mets on Sunday Night Baseball. We're going to be talking about that with Carl Ravitch coming up. The National League wildcard race, the Padres, the Phillies, the Brewers are vying for two spots, three teams for two spots. The Padres played host to the Dodgers. Joe Musgrove was excellent, but in the top of the 10th inning, Freddie Freeman came to the plate with an RBI opportunity. Stretch by Wilson. Now the pitch. 
Freddie swings, and that's going to be a base hit in the center field. Betts will score, and the Dodgers lead it 1-0. That from AM570 LA Sports, the Dodgers beat the Padres 1-0. The Phillies, who've been floundering of late, played Chicago, and the Cubs got a big hit in the bottom of the fifth inning. Nola kicks and delivers. Morrell swings, drills one deep to left. Way back, this could go. It's gone. A three-run home run by Christopher Morrell. And the Cubs take the lead. That from the Cubs radio network, the final score there, Cubs four, Phillies two. So the Padres lost yesterday. The Phillies lost yesterday. What about the Brewers? Keston Hira got a big hit for them at the bottom of the sixth inning. And he swings at this one, defies the numbers, and gaps it into left center field, down for a base hit. That brings Urias around to score. Stop sign at third for Telez, and Hira is in at second as he cranks an RBI double into the left center field gap, and in the process, doubles the Brewers' lead. Milwaukee 2, St. Louis nothing here in the last of the sixth. That sound from ESPN Radio. At the end of the day, the Padres held the number two wildcard spot Two and a half games ahead of the Phillies, who are now just a half game ahead of the Brewers for that third and final wildcard spot. At this point, the American League wildcard race seems to be all about seeding. Toronto's a game and a half ahead of Tampa Bay. The uh, Rays are a half game ahead of Seattle. The Orioles are four and a half games behind Seattle with just seven games to play. So we pretty much know who the three American League wildcard teams are going to be. It's just a question of how they're going to be arranged. The big story last night was generated by the player deemed the largest position player in Major League Baseball history by the Elias Sports Bureau. Six foot seven, 282 pounds. Aaron Judge, who had gone more than a week since hitting home run number 60, he came to the plate in the top of the seventh inning. And this is what it sounded like on the Yes Network. And the 3 2. Joel deep to left field. This could be it. See ya! He's done it! Number 61! He's been chasing history, and now he makes it! He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history. A great call for Michael Kay. What about John Sterling and WFAN? Here's what that call sounded like. And the payoff. There goes the deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 61. He ties Roger Maris for the American League single season record with 61 home runs. It's a two-run judgey blast. Here comes the judge. And here was the call, the Spanish call on WADO. Judge. Batazo. The Yankees win the game 8-3. Of course, the night before, they clinched the American League East. And last night, it was about Aaron Judge hitting home run number 61. A great scene. As he crossed home plate, uh, he gave a, a, a tap of the heart to his mom, who was sitting behind the Yankees dugout with Roger Maris Jr., who's been so classy during the last eight, nine days. Uh, after the game, Judge talked about how hitting his 61st homer was an incredible honor. It's an incredible honor, you know, and getting a chance to be, you know, associated with, you know, one of the Yankee greats, you know, one of baseball's greats, um, you know, be enshrined with him forever is, you know, it's words can't describe it, you know, and um, that's one thing that's so special about the Yankees organization is all the guys that came before us and kind of paved the way and, you know, played the game the right way, did the things the right way, did a lot of great things in this game and getting a chance to be, you know, mentioned with those guys now is, I, I can't even describe it. It's an it's, it's, uh, incredible honor, that's for sure. He talked about speaking with Roger Maris Jr. Um, I'll keep most of, most of it between us, but uh, he just really was just congratulating, um, you know, saying he's got to spend a lot of time with my, my family and get a chance to meet them and um, just had a lot of great words to say. And I just, you know, really thanked him and um, said what an honor it was and, 
you know, getting a chance to be associated with his with his father is something that yeah, you, you dream about about things like that. And for him to come to all the home games, come out here to Toronto and support and be there, this is uh, definitely means a lot. That's for sure. He talked about how having his mom there was special. You know, having my mom here uh, supporting is, you know, she's been with me through it all. You know, that's that's for sure. From the little league days, you know, from. Um, uh, you know, getting me ready for school, you know, taking me to my first couple practices and games and, you know, being there in my first professional game, being there at my debut, and then, you know, now getting a chance to be here for this. This is, uh, this is something special, but, you know, we're not done yet, so we'll have a couple more fun ones, that's for sure. He was asked if he's relieved after this long wait for number 61. Uh, definitely. <laughs> um, definitely some relief uh, getting to 61. You know, you try not to think about it, but it creeps into your head. But, um, you know, getting a chance to do it, you know, in a Yankee win, um, and especially on another night where, you know, Garrett Cole ties the, you know, all-time single season, you know, strikeout record. That's, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty special day right there. Here's Aaron Boone talking about how the pressure is now off Aaron Judge. I think there was a little weight taken off of him, for sure. I don't think it's something that's, you know, weighed, worn him down or weighed, weighted on him too much. But that said, it's been a handful of days now and everyone paying close attention. So um, I think the smile was a little easier when he got back to the bench. So, yeah, I think there was a little relief there. We're going to be talking with NBA Hall of Famer Charles Barkley about Aaron Judge and his accomplishment. You know, Charles, a huge sports fan, and I can't, to hear, can't wait to hear what he thinks. Sarah, what else you got? All right, NFL season is here, so everyone be sure to check out our full slate of shows. We have some great ones, including the Dominique Foxworth show, Mina Kimes featuring Lenny, and Kyle Brandt's Basement. Kyle Brandt had on Josh Allen last Tuesday, and it was a really insightful episode. It was really cool to hear his game plan and also how he recovers from a loss, so be sure to check all of that out. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Charles Barkley is an NBA Hall of Famer, but more than that, he is a huge sports fan, which is why, Charles, I reached out to you because I wanted to get your thoughts on Aaron Judge. Uh, I texted you before he hit number 61. What do you think? It's pretty amazing. Especially now that he's right there for the triple crown, but to hit those homers and be in both, uh, they're right there with uh, RBIs and batting average, is pretty incredible. You know, you know, I didn't. I think Amiga's the last guy who won the triple crown. Was Miguel Cabrera? Yeah, that is like that to me is one of the greatest achievements in sports. I mean, to be able to be like we got guys who can always hit for average, don't have power. We all have guys who hit homers who don't have a good average. But to put all three of them together, that's pretty amazing. All right. So my greatest accomplishments as an athlete involve wiffle ball. I'm not qualified to have a conversation as an athlete about what he's done. You, as someone you know, at the highest echelon of athleticism, tell me what you see in what Aaron Judge does that is remarkable to you. He has the exact same answer every time he's asked a question. You know, he doesn't, uh, like, cause listen, remember like probably a month ago, everybody was killing the Yankees. They, they couldn't win a game. They couldn't score a run. But the thing he, he does, I've watched, cause I've watched a lot of interviews and he stays consistent. He doesn't have ups and downs. And baseball is probably the hardest sport to play, uh, to be honest with you, because you know, you're going to go through hidden slumps. I mean, I can miss some shots. You know, a quarterback can miss a couple of wide receivers, but you get it together at some point. 
But when you go up there and you're two for 25, one for 17, it's got to have a psychological advantage on you. But every time I see them interviewed, all you talk about is I'm just trying to do my best. The most important thing is to winning. And I was like, he's likable. I've never met him. But I, I think one thing that all people want, they actually want two things. They love a villain. They really do. <laughs> they do. They love a villain. But when they, when you can see a guy from another team, even if he's not on your team, you're like, oh, I like that guy. So I think that's the beauty of Aaron Judge. People really like him. All right, Charles. So on the eve of the season, uh, we had the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball. And before that game, I asked Aaron Boone, his manager, how uh, Judge was going to handle the pressure. Because the news had just broken. The Yankees had leaked out the fact that he had turned down $213.5 million going into free agency in the fall. Uh, he's the biggest star on the team. It's in New York. And I asked Boone how he's going to handle that. And, and Aaron looked at me with a smile. He goes, he's fine. Like he thinks he's so mentally strong and so locked in and so focused on team uh, events that Booney felt like it isn't going to be that big of a deal. And I, as a cynical reporter, was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I think it was exactly right. He's as mentally strong as any athlete I've ever seen. What do you see? Well, I think the one thing about sports, you have to always get out of your own way. A lot of the, a lot of the time, the re reason jocks fail is they like you put like they want to do it too much. They want I want to play so well. I used to hate going home because my mom and grandmother was there. I had like 20 friends. They had bus stand from Alabama every time we played the Atlanta Hawks. And I never had a good game, Buster, to be honest with you, because I wanted to play so good. Because they only got to see me play once a year when the Suns came to town. And I, I, I in, in my intensity built up the whole day where I got out there and I couldn't perform. And for him to be able to perform with all, and listen, he can say what he wants to. When you turn down that type of money, like it can, listen, it's going a great way, but you know it could go the other way also. So to be able to handle that stress, especially in New York, because New York is a different animal. I tell people, when I got traded to Phoenix, I thought I was going to Disneyland. They was like, they were just like, Charles didn't play good. But when you were in Boston, New York, and Philly, the, the, the stress level you are under is, is, is like, it's like, it's really up there. And, and guys can say that, but when you play in those cities, I'm thinking maybe can Chicago's in there a little bit, and maybe if you play for the Lakers or in LA, but Boston, New York, and Philly, those are different animals. I know players, I played in all those cities. I know players from all those cities. The East Coast uh, intensity when it comes to morning talk shows, especially now morning talk shows, but also the competition of the, because I learned one thing in Philadelphia why they were so negative at times, because when you're trying to compete with the Flyers, the Phillies, the Eagles, Villanova, St. Joe's, Temple, the negativity really sells. In New York, you really compete. You're competing with the Mets, the Yankees. You're competing with the Giants and the Jets. So a lot of the negativity you will get is just trying to get attention. So you just that that's a pressure you just have to deal with. So because Aaron Judge's bet on himself is going to pay off in such a big way, we don't know if the Giants are going to be the team that jumps in or the Red Sox, maybe the Cubs, maybe the Mets. Uh, at some point, Hal Steinbrenner is going to have a decision to make on what he's going to do for Judge. I'm going to put you in a position where you're his advisor, okay? Because you know the markets, you know sports, you know a star when you see one like Aaron Judge. They offer $213.5 million in spring. Judge is going to be 31 in April. Uh, if you were an advisor to Hal Steinbrenner, who's not like his dad, it was so impetuous, he would throw out big numbers. If you were to tell him how he should handle this negotiations, what would you say? Well, there's no way you can let him go. You know, he is, you know, I'm a big Rizzo fan. Uh, Giancarlo starting is a stud. My boy, Josh Jonathan, to him, War Eagle. But he is the best player on that team by far. And if you lose him, you're going to become irrelevant more than likely. So, you know, sometimes a guy is so good, you have to say, you know what, if we lose this guy, Especially if you're the Yankees, like the Yankees, the Yankees are like the Cowboys. 
I think the 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 Yankees, the Cowboys, and the Lakers, like they're their own thing. <laughs> like they're they're like like they listen. The mess what the mess are doing this year is terrific, but it's still not the Yankees. It's like the Brooklyn Nets. They, no matter how much success they have, they're never going to be the Knicks. Like the the, the the Brooklyn Nets have a much much better team. They got a legitimate chance of winning a championship, but it doesn't matter in New York. It's much like I say, the Yankees. They, it's like uh, the Yankees and the Lakers. Like I say, they're on a, and the Cowboys. They're on a whole nother level, and and they can't afford to lose him. You can't lose your best player and become irrelevant because the Yankees are. There's only you know this. There's only in across the board in all sports. There's probably only five teams that play for the championship or their seasons a waste. <laughs> yep. You know, like a, a couple of these other teams, if they have a good playoff run, the city's on fire, everybody's happy. But if you are the Lakers, the the, the Cowboys, the Yankees, uh, it's probably the Patriots that are in that conversation because Bill is what he's accomplished there. But there's realistically only two or three teams that they have to win the World Series or the, or the, or the championship or it's not a good season. So you got to pay that kid because he's the best player on your team by far. And you're the Yankees. You have to be relevant. The Yankees, they, the Yankees are such a big brand. They cannot be irrelevant. All right. Last one for you. As you know, there's this conversation about what's the real home run record. Uh, and when I've been asked that question, I've had this conversation with you before. I voted for Bonds. I voted for McGuire. I voted for Clemens for the Hall of Fame. Because you can't run from that history. That was the sport for a long period of time. Um, but, you know, I mentioned uh, last week when I was on the show, Get Up, uh, if you ask me, okay, who's the all-time home run leader in the regular season? Well, it's Barry Bonds. He had 73. Uh, if you ask me who the all-time home run leader for a career, it's Barry Bonds, you know, with the home runs he had. If you ask me who's the greatest, who had the greatest season ever, that's a different question to me. That's more subjective. Yeah. And I say, if someone asked me who's the greatest cyclist ever, I'm not saying Lance Armstrong. You ask me who's the greatest sprinter ever. I'm not saying Ben Johnson. Mm -hmm. I think what Aaron Judge has done this year is the most impressive, given the pressure, given the advancement of the sport, I believe in the evolution of athletes, uh, given how, you know, how great he is. I think it's the most incredible thing I've seen. For you, who's the, who's the uh, you know, what's the real home run record in your eyes? Well, I actually saw you on, on, on television last week when you were talking about that, when you talked about the, the specialized relievers and things like that. So this is arguably the greatest season in basketball history. You know, my problem with the whole steroid era is I think Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, uh, I think all those guys should be in the Hall of Fame because you yep. only because you and number one, I really one of the reasons I, I've always admired you. You always vote for those guys because my my question is, we're only penalizing three guys. We know that was the steroid era. We know that. I mean, I, I was in Phoenix when they had the list of 112 people. The only the only problem is those 112 want Hall of Famers, but we are with Clemens, Bonds, Sosa, and McGuire. Those four yep. guys, we're penalizing four guys. In the era, now I'm not going to say everybody was cheating, but a lot of people were cheating. But we're only penalizing four guys. That is 100% unfair, in my opinion. So, I and listen, when I saw Barry Bonds play, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Even when, you know, I followed McGuire and Sosa because, you know, it was just part of our culture. But for a guy to get three pitches a game and hit a home run was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. So I really appreciate you both of those guys. Like I say, I think it's really unfair. And those four guys I mentioned in particular should all be in the hall of fame because there are a lot of guys doing steroids, but we're only penalizing four guys. Uh, but to get back to your original question, what Aaron judge considering you have to factor in he's playing in New York he turned down all that money. Hmm. And let me tell you something. It, the only, it's only two people. If I Listen, I love being Charles Barkley because I've had the most amazing life ever. But if I could come back as two people right now, it would be Aaron Judge and Lamar Jackson. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. Those two guys 
what they have, what, what Lamar's doing. I mean, I know we've only played three games. His track record speaks for itself. I would like to be their advisor, their financial advisors for the next few years, Lamar Jackson and Aaron Judge. Because let me tell you something, I would never have to work another day in my life. Because they're not, they're going to start giving those guys burrows. They're going to give, they're going to give Lamar Jackson, like, not only I get Baltimore, I want DC and a, a little city in, um, in Virginia. It's going to be the same thing with Aaron Judge. Just, you know, giving the, giving the Bronx, giving Queens, you know, giving, <laughs> I mean, they, they're not going to have enough money to pay these guys. And you know what? They earned it. They they both earned it. And it's it's great to watch greatness. I'm watching I'm watching one of the greatest baseball seasons ever. And he's probably going to keep going and have one of the greatest careers. They're having the same thing with Lamar. Charles, I really appreciate your time. I always love talking with you, even though you used to beat up on Vanderbilt when you were back with Auburn. Hey, let me tell you something. As I always say, I don't say I ever say anything bad about Vanderbilt, but there's a good chance you're probably going to be working with one of those guys one day. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, Charles. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, the playoffs going to be awesome. I can't wait. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Right after the game, Aaron Judge spoke with Marley Rivera of ESPN. What was the first thought when that ball went over the fence? Well, definite relief. You know, we're we're up now five to... Five to three, Garrett Cole's going to be in line for a win. We hand it over to our bullpen, and you know, let's, let's have a good night. But, uh, 
you know, getting a chance to tie, you know, Roger Maris, you know, who's you know, not only a, a Yankee legend, but a, a baseball legend is an, an incredible honor and, you know, a great achievement that you know, I don't take lightly, that's for sure. And, you know, having the support from, you know, his son here, you know, my family here, it's uh, means the world to me. Aaron, is this, how is this feeling? Is this like anything you ever dreamed of? You know, it's tough to describe. You know, I never, I never play the game for stats or achievements or awards. You know, it's about coming out here and competing and winning with with your with your brothers. You know, day in and day out. You know, so um, I think I kind of forgot your question. You know, it's about you know, <laughs> what's the dream? Is does this compare to anything that you've experienced yeah, or dreamed of? No, nah, it, it's tough to put into words right now. Yeah. But. Um, You know, you you have goals. You set goals. You know, year in and year out, and you know, you always try to reach for those goals. And some of them are a little a little crazy. But you know, getting a chance to you know hit this record and do it here in a win, do it here with my teammates. You know, you can't nothing beats that. Now, finally, we're talking about records. The triple, the triple crown is within reach. I know you don't play for numbers. It's about the win. You already got that AL East, you know, pennant. What is now, what would that mean to you, possibly becoming the first Triple Crown winner since Miguel Cabrera did it in 2012? Well, that'd be that'd be something special because you know I remember sitting <laughs> sitting in my coaches, <laughs> my college coaches' office with our whole team, you know, watching a YouTube video of you know Miguel Cabrera's um, you know Triple Crown year and you know just how easy he made the game look and you know, he's you know one of the best hitters I've ever seen. Gotten a chance to share the field with him, but. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of good hitters out there. And, you know, let's let's keep racking up the wins, and then we'll talk about the end. All aboard! It's the Rabbi Train with Carl Ravitch on Baseball Tonight. Carl Ravitch, Rabbi, the Rabbi Train this weekend's going to be in Atlanta. Uh, the Mets and Braves are this great series uh, that you know to finish out our Sunday night baseball schedule. We can't wait for Sunday night, although, Carl, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. All I know is, you know, because of the weather, I wound up changing my plans to fly into Nashville and then drive to Atlanta because I don't know what the weather's going to be like on Saturday. What are you going to do? I'm flying in, you know, look, I mean, I have a we have a we have a place in Florida and we, we were down toward of that, you know, that Fort Myers area, you know, Red Sox country and uh, Twins country and spring training and so many others. And. You know, that storm took a turn down towards where we we have a place. And, uh, you know, it's it was it's hard stopping. It's incredibly frightening. And when you're when you're living through the unknown, uh, it becomes almost paralyzing. You're searching for information. Power goes out. There is no information to get. Uh, thankfully, it looks like things are 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 better than than in other places. And you just realize as, as one person is fortunate, somebody else is less fortunate, and it's it's just horrible. Um, but with regards to the whole point, is wet weather systems move, and I think the Atlanta part of this seems to have shifted north. And I, I think they're going to get all three games in on the days they're scheduled to play. Atlanta looks like the weather's going to be very cooperative. So I'm flying. I'm going to hopefully, fingers crossed, fly right into Atlanta. All right. Well, I'm going to have to check the forecast later today. Maybe I'll switch my plans out from from going to Nashville because it'd be great to get and see that game. If they play a game on Saturday, it'd be fun to be there on Saturday night. Uh, but we'll get back into Mets and Braves and the nationally wildcard race in a moment. Uh, but of course, we start today with the conversation around Aaron Judge. And finally, last night, boy, Carl, you know, when watching him play all last week, we were kind of speculating, is the pressure getting to him? Is he starting to feel the, the how tense it is? I you know, heard one broadcaster say that whole conversation was, no, he's not affected by it at all. I think it's pretty clear after Judge hit number 61, boy, what a relief for him. Yeah, I mean, there was a 100-pound weight lifted off his back. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that I, I think people say that are fairly regrettable. One is to try to get inside the head of somebody else. Uh, you have no idea how Aaron Judge is dealing with it. You, you know, you have we all have a framework of reference from from the person who is is publicly face front and speaks. And you're like, OK, well, he seems like he's calm and all that. And yet the Maris family is there. His mother's there. We, we have no idea what it's like to walk in the shoes of somebody 
you know, who is so capable. So the idea that somebody sits there and says, uh, boy, it's not going to bother him. Um, is that's foolhardy. You have no idea how people react to things. And I look, there were pitches that he had during this streak where you realize, you know, he, he's, he is physically off a click. He's rolling balls over. He's hitting top spin shots into left field that hop the fence. And, you know, when he's going right, those are elevated and they leave, you know, they leave the ballpark. And last night was, was just a, a slightly less off tick because that was the top spin shot that ended up going over the wall. Um, look, I, I look at Aaron judge. I think the way that, you know, that, that he would like people to look at him. I sincerely believe everything he says about, look, I, I want the team to win. I think he's genuine in that. And I think most people who surround themselves with, uh, with that type of attitude have individual success. When you're more concerned about the greater good, you tend to have more individual success. And I think that's what, what makes this thing so good. And, uh, you know, that was my reaction. Great things happen to great people. For all the uh, garbage that our sport has uh, been sort of displaying with individuals, he's the anti. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. I'm delighted he got it. I hope he breaks the record. And then I hope he holds the record or re-breaks it wherever he is next year and, and continues to add to it. I think we all benefit as a sport having Aaron Judge be a home run king, uh, certainly that he is in the American League. And it would be great if he, if he can pass 61. Boy, and as, uh, you know, as he's passed his record uh, or, you know, matched Roger Maris, now as he's poised to break Roger Maris, he's an American League record. It's pretty cool to see how much joy there is around him, you know, because this is not a record. Yeah, he's carried a lot of joy. Uh, you know, as you know, Roger Maris in 1961, they questioned whether or not his record was legit. Before Frick putting the asterisk on, uh, on his 61 homers that stood for a long time. And then, uh, you know, when Barry Bonds was approaching Mark McGuire's record, the PED conversation at that point, uh, that it exploded by then. And, and now, you know, what's been cool about this is there's nothing but joy for Aaron Judge. Uh, it feels like not only from, uh, from, you know, folks in the media set being able to celebrate and feel good about celebrating what he's doing, but the fans and the other players, right? And, and that's what yeah. you could see last night so much. I, I, that, that was what, what I took away when you watched it live and you, you know, we're all, you know, delighted in watching him round the bases. When, when they went back to the replays and they showed the shot of the Yankees bench and everyone from DJ LeMayhew to Anthony Rizzo to Giancarlo Stanton climbing over the, the guardrail, the, the most sincere form of respect was shown. I mean, hands are in the air. The high-fiving on the bench, they were all, you know, they're, they're all rooting for the individual um, in the context of a team game. That, that was the, the most heartwarming and, and the image I'm taking. The image I'm taking from last night was, was the embrace with Aaron Boone, you know, was the hug with the players. And really it was the, the reaction of the players as that ball was hit. The faces, the arms, that, that was such a tribute to who he is as a person, how well liked he is and, and not to go all business side, but my goodness, the, uh, the added, you talk about the weight that is off Aaron judge's shoulders. To me, it shifts right back onto the Yankees and how they handle this moving forward, because he is, he is as big in the clubhouse and wildly popular in the clubhouse as he is in New York and, and, and in the world of baseball. That, Boy, Buster, I, I'd hate to be, you know, involved with the, the front office that makes the decision or, or doesn't do enough to bring him back. And as you know, I, I'm not one of those give him eight years and 400 million. That's not who I am. But th there's a uniqueness about Aaron Judge, his relationship with the city and certainly his relationship with that team and how important he is to that club. Yeah, you're right. The pressure, you know, we talked about being on Aaron Judge's shoulders. All of that, once this season is over, is going to shift to the shoulders of Hal Steinbrenner. Because, yeah, right. there's no doubt. He's not his dad and how he runs the Yankees. You know, they made some more disciplined decisions to get the number under the luxury tax, and they let Robinson Cano go. I think with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, they wish they hadn't given, had given Alex Rodriguez that huge contract in the fall of 2007. So it's a different regime. But this is a different player. I think it's a different type of pressure. And if, in fact, he goes out the door, and I believe that there's going to be an opportunity, if he wants to, to sign with San Francisco or some other team, 
boy, there's going to be so much criticism of Hal Steinbrenner. And again, this is the two-way street. You know, at some point, yep. there's going to be there's going to be that line where the, the money is astronomical, and then it is going to be on the player to say, uh, yes, I want to stay here because there's a huge value in being a Yankee for life. I don't mean just being a Yankee. There's a value in being a Major League Baseball player, but there's a huge value um, in being a Yankee for life. I mean, look at look at Roger Maris's family. Look at how reverential they are. Uh, in Aaron Judge and and the fact that he's got the NY on there there is something to that and I just look this is a conversation for another day I just hope that it never gets into a place where the players can sit there and suggest they they didn't respect me enough et cetera et cetera because that that then you then you tend to lose the argument because respect is is sort of an individual thing and there's going to be a lot of people who would look at a large contract offer and, and literally say, are you kidding me? Like, wh- wh- how do you define respect? So let, let's hope it doesn't get there, but it is a two-way street and there's going to be a line for both where they're going to say, we can't go there. And the player is going to say, I-, I can't take that. I can get more elsewhere. How much did you enjoy the, the by-play with his mom and with Roger Maris Jr. last night? Yeah. I thought it was really neat. I mean, look, it's quite clear that the the agenda for Roger Maris was my dad held the record and Aaron Judge just tied the all-time single season record. He's very dismissive, obviously, of those that have been associated with or or acknowledged doing performance enhancers. So he's got his own agenda. Uh, Look, the, the idea that he was adopted when he was two, it is so clear that the person Aaron Judge is at least public facing and there's no reason to suggest it's any different privately uh, because I think we all know people who know him privately and say he is exactly the same way he is he's quiet he's reserved he's about the team that all has to do with the upbringing between his mom and his dad Uh, school teachers as he has said time and time again before I could go out and play I had to do my homework Uh, they were very strict with me and and it's, you know, in, in the moment as a 10, 12 year old, that doesn't really work for you. But when you're when you're of the age now that he is 30, there's a maturity about him. He looks back on it and is very grateful. Uh, that was the, the, the other part of that was when he looked up to her and touched his heart. I mean, he, he is so connected to her. And I know the dad as well. That's that's who he is. You know, they, they were the ones that molded Aaron Judge into the person that that he he ultimately has become. And I, I felt great for her. I mean. Forget about the travel. I just felt great. Like that that's my son out there. Look what he's been able to accomplish through hard work and dedication, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm gonna run this past you because you and I have had so many conversations about trying to put this in the context within the uh, you know, within the the context of the PD uh era and uh, where the numbers went during that time. I was on Get Up this morning. They asked me what the number 61 means. And I mentioned that, you know, to me, that's baseball's Mount Everest. You know, every kid who grows up, uh, you know, thinks about playing when they play, want to uh, play baseball, they think about hitting home runs. And now Aaron Judge has as many home runs as Roger Maris did uh, in American League history. Those two guys are, are twins. And I thought about this, you know, that 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 is the Mount Everest of the sport. And, to, you know, further the uh, mountain climbing analogy, you know, the first climbers who went up Mount Everest, uh, most notably Sir Edmund Hillary, did so without the use of, of bottled oxygen. And subsequently, a lot of other people have gone up uh, Mount Everest and a lot of them have used bottled oxygen. That to me is is kind of the same type of difference in baseball. There are other players, McGuire, Sosa, uh, Barry Bonds, who got to 61, got to 62 and beyond. But they did it under different circumstances, and it's a, a different accomplishment to me in that regard. Does that make sense or no? Yeah, it does. And, and I, think, I think it's too early to frame 61 or wherever Aaron Judge ends up going. Uh, I think this is a conversation that people are going to have 20, 30 years from now when they look back and see how aberrational 73 homers were or mid-60s yeah. were. And then where Aaron Judge fits in on that list, because, you know, if Aaron Judge were to ever and and look, he he may, you know, you you put Aaron Judge on the Colorado Rockies for whatever reason. And and he hit 78 home runs in a season Um, and he's and he's deemed clean. 
is there an asterisk because half of his games were played, you know, at altitude and I get humidors, et cetera. But if you understand my point, there are going to be circumstances that, that do dramatically impact. All right, let's talk about this weekend series, the Braves and the Mets. I was laughing last night as we were all texting back and <laughs> forth about this Sunday night game. Uh, you and I, living in the Northeast, have so many friends who are Mets fans. And, and I said a few years ago that I think the phrase, till death do us part, applies to no group of people more than Mets fans who both <laughs> love their team and are tortured by their team. And so last night, as the Mets fell behind in their game, and the Braves, uh, you know, were close in their game with the Nationals. Andy Jacobson was like, hey, guess what, guys? Who uh, our producer on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, he was a huge Mets fan, text us and say, okay, we already know that the uh, the, the Mets are going to be in the wild card game and the Braves are going to win the division. And, hey, we get to have dinner in New York on Wednesday night. How cool is that going to be? And it's like, dude, come on. we ha- They actually have to play a week's worth of games before we know who wins this division. And on top of that, Carl, I do think, and I totally get perspective of folks like uh, Andy Jacobson and Pete McConville, Sarah Langs, they all might feel faded being Mets fans. I think this is a different type of Mets team. And that doesn't mean I don't they're necessarily going to win the division, but it is a different group of players for me. Up to 180 degrees from, from all those expectations. But Look, it just goes back to what I just said. Cubs fans were the same way. Uh, Red Sox fans have been the same way. Philadelphia Phillies fans uh, are very skeptical about where this team ends up going. Uh, look, the Atlanta Braves were, were were winning divisions left and right. They won one World Series. I mean, for for all for all their success with Bobby Cox, there, there was a group of those fans that said, "We'll never win the World Series." It's, and obviously, that changed again. You know, uh, with Brian Snitker and company. So. Yes, it's completely different. Cohen makes it different. The owner, Showalter, makes it different. Guys like Canna and Escobar, Marte, when he comes back, look, there there was a reason that uh, the team was put together with the personalities and the experiences of those players. It has shown itself. They won their 98th game last night. If wow. I'm the Mets and they're Mets fans, I'm I'm upset that the Cardinals clinched by winning the number of games that they did, and other teams are getting in with the number of games that they won. You know, your, your biggest curse is you're playing in a division now that's got an Atlanta Brave team that's going to be really good for a long time. you got a Philadelphia Phillies team that's currently in the, in the we're winning now mode. That, that's your curse. You won 98 games. You're going, to win a, you're going to win 100 games this year, and yet you feel cursed. I, I, I don't buy it. The Mets will win a World Series, whether it's this year or in a couple of years. Like, they're not those, – those curse things just – they just they just feed an attitude, and I I tend to go on the other side of that attitude, which is we'll eventually going to win it. I mean, we're, we're, that's how this works. We are not cursed. It may take a hundred years, but it's going to happen. Well, and you know, and I know that uh, in, that's exactly how Buck Showalter's feeling. <laughs> that's exactly how Max Scherzer's feeling. That's exactly how Jacob Degrom is feeling. Uh, it, it is a different feel around that team going forward. And at the same time, as you say, you know, going up against the Braves, who are a great team, you know, and I've told the story yeah. on the podcast before, and I'll say it again. When we were in St. Louis and had the Braves on Sunday Night Baseball a few weeks ago, I walked up to a longstanding member of the Braves and I said, I actually think you guys are a better team than you were when you won the World Series last year. And this person looked at me and without hesitating a second, said, I totally agree with you. Uh, and in part, Carl, and I hope we get to spend a lot of time talking about him this weekend is uh, because their center fielder, Michael Harris, the second, who's been so good. The depth in that yeah. line is so strong, even with Spencer Strider out of the rotation. Now you get Bryce Elder, you know, checking in and right. throwing out a bunch of great starts. This is a great team. Great team with great makeup that just won a World Series. So there's a, there's a great feel about it. And they took a big body blow when Freddie Freeman left. And clearly Matt Olson is now playing a little bit better. Uh, and there was that trepidation. All right, so we lost we lost our ballast. How are we going to deal with it? And they came out of the gates a little slow. You know, they, they were spinning wheels for a while. Then all of a sudden, they, they found that third, fourth, and now fifth gear and have cruised. This idea that the Mets came back to the pack is complete BS. I mean, the Braves yep. basically came from the outside and and ran them down. Very, very talented team. Uh, but what this weekend will show us, and certainly the, the games thereafter until the fifth when the season ends, any team 
any team that has to play in a wild card series is at such a handicap. It is, it's brutal. Uh, the idea that you're playing three games in a row and then you're going into a division series against a team that's rested and you're playing games on consecutive days and there's no travel days. Um, I, I've heard recent sort of criticisms about the system and, and we've lost suspense down the stretch. There's no way that there's any, uh, any room for more suspense than what we have with Atlanta and the Mets because you, you literally have to avoid being in a wild card series if you have real intentions of winning a World Series. You've got to win your division. It will be brutal because if I'm not mistaken, whichever team wins this division, Buster, uh, gets a free ride, the losers in the wild card, and then they face the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, so wild card Dodgers, obviously you have to avoid that. So these, these games are enormous. And last night when we were watching that and texting each other, you know, I kind of half-heartedly says, well, the National League East is going to be decided in the next 30 minutes when it was 4-4 and 2-2. <laughs> and the Nationals ended up beating the Braves and the Mets ended up beating the Marlins. And you're like, well, there you go. They now have a one-game lead. They have Scherzer DeGrom. Strange things happen because it's sports, but yeah, in a weird way, that's that that was that's how important those games are, and what a big advantage the Mets have going into this series with a win. Well, and I I love uh, the passion of folks like Andy Jacobson, uh, you know, Mets fans, and uh, you know, Braves fans, obviously very passionate about their team, the way that they responded after you know ballparks open back up. This will be a great atmosphere this weekend. Um, I, I'm so fired up to get to Atlanta. All right. Uh, give me yeah. 60 seconds on the nationally wildcard race, which is also a little crazy because we kind of thought the Brewers were fading out of it. We thought that the Phillies and Padres were going to be in good shape, but now the Brewers have crept up on the Phillies who are hemorrhaging. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I know I, I love Andy Jacobson. I also love Ed Fita who worked with us and he's a fatalistic Philadelphia Phillies fan. Um, look, the beautiful part of being a fan is you're a fanatic. You, you live and die with your team. You have these notions given how you grew up and all of it's contextual based on your age and the players and the team success. Um, you know, both of those teams, I think have, have the ability to get in. I think they can both, win i'd be a little leery about the direction the phillies are going in i'm always leery about the brewers offense and the truth is the, the last team i i want to play today are the padres I, the padres seemingly have kind of found something here they're starting to feel better about themselves and so much of this stuff is is your talent and then your mental state um look at the new york yankees buster you know about yeah. a week ago, they were feeling like crap. Now, all of a sudden, they're feeling like they can beat, they can beat the world. So all of those things uh, coincide with me with the Padres. Uh, look, if I'm giving an edge to one team in spite of where they're at, I think it's the Phillies. I think the Phillies and Padres get in. Yep. No, I, I agree with you. I think uh, especially with Kristen Yelich, um, you know, generally struggling over last week. And the Brewers' margin for an offense being so thin that it's going to be hard for them to sustain. But who knows? I mean, the Brewers have surprised yeah, us so many exactly. times over the last five years. All right, Rabbi, uh, thanks for doing this, and I will see you in Atlanta. Travel safe. See you. Roger Maris Jr. watched Aaron Judge tie his father's record for most home runs in American League history in a single season. And Roger Maris Jr. talked about meeting Judge after that 61st homer. Had a nice conversation. I was just kind of asked him why he waited so long to kind of make me travel around the country. And, you know, uh, the ironic thing was, like I told him, I said, it's, it's uh, the ninth day I've been here. Okay, he wears 99, dad wears nine. It's just kind of weird the way it all kind of went together, you know. So now I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go to Yankee Stadium and it'll probably hit 62 on October 1st when dad hit a 61st. So just all the weird similarities with he and my dad's is kind of ironic. But uh, yes, yeah, so that's pretty much why we waited to hook up tonight and get to know each other a little bit. He was asked about when Judge will hit number 62. Are you sticking around for 62? Yeah, I'll be heading to New York. How long it takes? What's that? No matter how long it takes? Um, I, I don't think it's going to take very long. Yeah, I think he's loose. I think the party last night, the celebration, I think loosened him up. And uh, after he hit that home run and came to bat the next time, uh, 
you could just see his face. I mean, he's just, you know, he got up and hit another seed. You know, it's just you can tell he's back and he's, he's ready to go now, I think. So I think uh, I think it'll happen in New York and uh, that's where you want it to happen. That's where I want it to happen. I think the city of New York deserves it. The fans deserve it. I think it'd be great for baseball if it happens in New York. And like what I mentioned, Aaron, I said, you know, get to New York and hit 62 and you know, knock, the, knock the top off Yankee Stadium because it's going to be fun. You know? He was asked about whether or not Aaron Judge should be revered as the true single-season home run leader if he hits his 62nd. I think it means a lot, and that's not just for me. I think it means a lot for a lot of people, you know, that uh, he's clean, he's a Yankee, he plays the game the right way, and, uh, you know, I think it gives people a chance to look at somebody who uh, – you know, should be revered for hitting 62 home runs and not just as a, a guy who did it in the American League. He should be revered for, you know, being the actual single season home run champ. I mean, that's really who he is if he hits 62. And uh, and I think that's what needs to happen. I think baseball needs to look at the records and I think baseball should do something. Bleacher Tweets. Okay, Buster, it's time for Bleacher Tweets. The first one comes from Eddie Mark. Hey, Buster, how come it seems every significant home run milestone the last 50 years have been dominated by RH batters? The single season and career totals, the 700 HR club, you'd think with more RH hitters, there would be more LH batters running up totals. Yeah, right-handed versus left-handed. And you're right, McGuire was right-handed. Sosa was right-handed. Now Judge is right-handed. But the guy who held the American League record up until yesterday, Roger Maris, he was a left-handed hitter. Barry Bonds was a left-handed hitter. Um, and I think it's more balanced than that. Uh, you know, you had Ken Griffey Jr. take some runs at it. Um, so, and look, if you uh, think about all the batting titles that have been won by left-handed hitters, um, yeah, but your point is well taken. The fact that there's a predominance of right-handed pitchers versus left-handed pitchers. The next one comes from Justin Simmons. Does Strider going on the IL hint the ROI race to Harris? Also, this year's runner will also will this year's runner up be the best rookie ever not to win? It's in the conversation for sure. And and it's interesting. I actually thought of Strider's being you know, the front runner by a little bit, but I know that uh, I've seen, you know, notes by guys who cover the team on a daily basis. They viewed Michael Harris II as a front runner even before Strider's injury. But man, they, they have both been phenomenal. They've both been difference making. And it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what Strider can do uh, in the postseason as we come down the stretch. All right. Next up is Joe Wilkins. I hear everyone referring to the 61 homers judges chasing as the AL record, but I feel like we generally don't care about league records. Is it more significant to acknowledge it's the Yankees record considering the names he's passing? I don't, I don't think of it as a Yankees record. Uh, I do think that, you know, the, the history of the record is built on uh, the success of Yankee players. I mean, when Babe Ruth, uh, you know, was setting home run records back in the 1920s. He was literally hitting more home runs by himself than a lot of teams were hitting. Uh, and then he hits, you know, 60 in 1927. And that record uh, held for 34 years until Roger Maris broke it with his 61. And then it's been held for the last 61 years by another Yankee hitter. I mean, let's face it. Part of the reason why uh, we're talking a lot about the American League records, because it allows us to thread the needle a little bit when we talk about uh, home runs that were aided by PDs and those that weren't. Um, and that's, but that's part of the reason why plus 61 is such a, it is a marquee number. It is, as I said, on uh, get up this morning, the Mount Everest of the sport, when you're talking about an important number and it, it isn't unlike bonds is 73 or when McGuire hit his home run 70, uh, it is not tinged by the conversation around PDs. And last up, we have P.K. Steinberg. Do you think when baseball players see fans catching foul balls barehanded whilst holding babies, drinking beers, eating nachos, et cetera, that they feel a bit emasculated? <laughs> no, P.K., you know this. I think the players love it. Like when they see those, I always love the reaction from the from the players when the you see video of those catches on the scoreboard. Or sometimes the players will see it live when they'll see a, a fan make a catch. I think they think that's pretty cool. 
All right, that's it for Bleacher Tweets. Everyone, be sure to submit your questions using hashtag Bleacher Tweets. And as always, check us out on YouTube for our Monday segment with Tim. That's it for today. My thanks to Charles Barkley, to Carl Ravitch, to Sarah Abbott. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.